0: Good morning, again, we again just want to say how, how thankful we are to have you with us here at LifeQuest this morning. We are continuing our series, uh, Primal, the quest for the lost soul of Christianity. And for the last three weeks, we've been talking about the, the great commandment, Matthew, uh, actually my mom found this... Uh, Print at the mall, Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then in Mark it adds, and with all your strength. Loving God with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart, and with all your strength. And so over the last few weeks we've talked about what does that mean? How do we we become great at the great commandment? And so we talked about loving God with all of our heart and allowing God into our, our, our hearts. Uh, and, and obviously we, we use the, the Christian lingo to, to describe all of that. But boiling it down is what is it that you are passionate about? And do the things that break your heart, are they the same things that break God's heart? And are you allowing God to, to enter into the heart of your life um, Loving God with your heart. Last week we talked about loving God with all of your soul, loving God uh, through experiencing His wonder and allowing God to just absolutely blow you away. I thought it was very, very uh, timely that on Sunday we talked about enjoying and experiencing God in His creation, and I shared the story of of uh, Nikola Tesla who every time there was a thunderstorm, his, his uh, laboratory in New York City had this huge open window, and he had a couch that faced the window, and when there were thunder and lightning storms, every time there was thunder and lightning, Nikola Tesla would get up off of his couch and <laughs> applaud God. And Monday morning, I don't know if you guys remember, Monday morning, after talking about that, we had this amazing thunderstorm come tearing through, and I, was, I didn't get out of bed, but I was in bed, and I was like... <laughs> Bravo. Because um, it was early. Um, I did post that. I did. Bravo. So um, loving God with all of your soul, allowing God, the, the wonder of God's creation, the wonder of God's scripture to, to transform who we are in loving God with all of our soul. This morning we're going to talk about loving God with all of our mind. And, you know, it's one of those things when, when you talk to people who aren't Christians or, or you talk to people who, who don't really understand, you know, what this whole thing is about, they'll say things like Christianity or religion is for people who are weak-minded. They'll say that Christianity is for people who, who you know, re- can't think for themselves and so they'll allow religion To think for them. And so I just wanted to share with you a few of those people who uh, were weak-minded and and didn't just let religion think for them. People um, like Johann Kepler, who uh, was his model of the cosmos, uh, shaped um, modern science. Um, A guy like uh, Rene Descartes. Who was a, a French philosopher? Uh, who was a, a believer in Christ? Um, Blaise Pascal. Anybody heard of Blaise Pascal? Really, really smart, brilliant guy. Mathematician, uh, scientist. Let's. Uh, let's. You're not going to recognize all of these um, weak-minded and not so smart people. Um, Isaac Newton. Yeah, not a smart guy. Um, Nathaniel. I found this guy that was in here. Um, guy named Joseph Priestley, who was a pastor, and in his uh, he wrote some pretty controversial things. But he is also credited with being the guy who discovered oxygen. Not so smart, um, you know, because religion is for for weak-minded people. Um, Michael Faraday. Michael Faraday is a guy who uh, is huge in the study of um, not just Electromagnetism, um, but also the relationship of science and religion and how you don't have to have them as being mutually exclusive. Um, yeah, not so smart. Um, Gregor Mendel. Nathaniel, remember you were talking about, my son told us the other day that he wants to be a geneticist. Gregor Mendel is the guy who is known as the father of modern genetics. Um, was was a, a believer in Christ, uh, not so smart guy. Uh, let's see who else isn't so smart. Uh, Heinrich Hertz, you ever heard of the Hertz waves, megahertz, like the, the Heinrich Hertz, uh, devout Lutheran, German physicist, Lutheran his entire life, not so smart. Uh, Louis Pasteur, anybody like to drink milk? You can thank this guy um, who invented and, and discovered the 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 science of pasteurization. Pasteur, yeah, not so smart. Um, anybody, anybody like uh, enjoy temperature things like that? Anybody ever heard of the what's the coldest state that you can uh, get to? Anybody know? Zero Kelvin. Lord Kelvin uh, was a was a believer in Christ. Um, he actually gave a famous address uh, to the Christian Evidence Society. Um, yeah, you know, not so smart. Where's the guy? Um, this guy gets the credit for inventing radio, um, but didn't really invent radio. Guillermo Marconi um, actually kind of stole the credit from Nikola Tesla. Um, but Nikola uh, G, uh, Marconi uh, also, even though he um, kind of stole Nikola's ideas uh, and and took credit for them, um, brilliant guy all on his own. Uh, was a devout Catholic, and actually the first thing that was broadcast on radio was uh, a statement of how God had given him the, the ability to, to discover this so that people could hear about the glory of God and, and also hear um, the voice of the Pope. Um, but still, second. All right, thank you. Uh, Anybody enjoy a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? George Washington Carver. uh, When George Washington Carver, he actually presented uh, his things to Congress, and and they asked him to come and talk, and he spoke for two and a half hours uh, to Congress about all of the scientific uh, benefits of peanut butter uh, that at the end, Congress was like, so amazed by, by all the things. They invited him. to said, look, any time that you want to come and speak, you can come and speak, um, which doesn't really uh, – it's not a huge plus for George Washington Carver that he could entertain politicians for two and a half hours. Um, but a smart, smart guy, um, African-American, brilliant scientist, Max Planck. Uh, I told my wife about this guy. His name is Ar- Edward Arthur Milne. My wife's maiden name is Milne. Uh, this guy was an astrophysicist and mathematician. Uh, actually had a model, the Milne model. I didn't know this. I learned it. Um, and he actually has a moon crater named after him. And my, my wife was like, absolutely, I've, of course I've heard of him. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things about having faith in Christ, we have this idea that we have to check our brains at the door. And that is just simply not true. God has given us our minds for a reason. And so Mark chapter 12, we'll read it to you one more time. Verses 29 and 30, it says, The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. I love this quote by Oliver Wendell Holmes. He says, a mind stretched by a new idea never returns to its original shape. Um, There's an old wives' tale that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And we kind of take that, and, and so sometimes we hear old wives' tales and we assume that they are true, and so we can take that and say, well, if I can't teach an old dog a new tricks, then, then someone, as humans, that you can't teach old dogs new tricks. And that is absolutely not true. Check this out. This is an amazing, amazing thing. You, you'll walk out with lots of like, things that will help you win at Trivial Pursuit um, today. Your brain, the human brain, has the capacity to learn something new every second of every minute of every hour of every day of your life for the next 300 million years, if your brain could last that long. It has the ability to make those connections and learn something new every single second. That you can't teach an old dog new tricks is just simply not true. (laughs) But what happens is that we we think that that's true. And the moment that you stop thinking that you, can, that you can learn new things, you stop living out of your imagination. And once you stop living out of your imagination, and you start living out of your memories of what you've done before, or what others have done before, and you stop thinking about what could be, when you stop learning, when you stop trying to... to, to explore new things, doctors believe that, that when the human mind starts to think that way, that's the day the person quits living and starts to die. That when we get to that place where, oh, you know, I, I already know it. So when we stop learning, that's a dangerous place to be. Loving God with all of our minds means that we make the most of our minds learning as much as we can about as much as we can. So we're going to have a couple of, uh, you know, we're going to learn some things today, and we're going to take some, we're back to school, right? So we're we're going to take a test this morning. True or false? The true test of spiritual maturity isn't how much you know, it's knowing how much you don't know. That's true. I would agree with that. You know, so many times we think that we have got it all figured out, that we know the, the answers to, you know, to life, the universe, and everything. I, I remember uh, I was actually just talking with a, a young couple uh, this week, and they were kind of lamenting on the difficulty of the situation that they were in and that they're, they're going to a church and they're struggling and they're considering should we stay or should we go. And, and you know, one of the things that they said was, you know, I'm just, we're just not getting fed and And you hear that a lot, right? people who who their their critique of the current church that they're in is that you know the pastor's just not really feeding us. Um, and I hear that, but hear me, please, this morning. if you are dependent on the thirty to forty minutes of myself or Pastor Jamie or Paul or whoever comes in to speak at LifeQuest as your soul source of spiritual nourishment and growth for your entire week, shame on you. To say that I'm not going to go to this church or that church because the pastor isn't feeding me, it is your responsibility, it is my responsibility to feed myself. So throughout the week, if you're not getting anything, you're not growing, you're not reading the word, you're not, and Sunday morning is the only time, I I would put out to you that you are not loving God with all of your mind. It's our responsibility to do this. So I kind of shared this story with them about how I was, we were going to uh, the National Assemblies of God, big to do. And one of the speakers was one of the theologians of our denomination who wrote like most of the textbooks that we had to read in Bible school. And, and he's brilliant and, and amazing. But I had heard him speak before. And he had come and spoke at Bible school. And so, you know, sometimes uh, you listen to something or you hear someone speak and then you hear them speak again and maybe you hear them speak a third time. And you can kind of mentally like, oh, yeah, he said that before. Oh, yeah, okay. So we're in the van. And we're coming back from Springfield, heading back to Columbus. And, and so all of our pastoral team is in the van. And I open my big fat mouth and I tell Pastor Dennis, one of the pastors on our team, that, you know, I mean, it was, it was a great thing. But, you know, when Dr. Horton was speaking, oh, he's so boring. And he said that last time. And he said that when he spoke at chapel. And, and Pastor Dennis looked me in the eye. And he said, Rob, do you ever wonder that maybe the reason that Dr. Horton keeps saying the same thing is because God is trying to tell you something and you're not listening. And so he has to say it to you over and over again because you didn't get it the first time. So, so many times, um, you know, we think that we know everything about everything. I thought as a teenager, I knew everything and my parents were idiots. Now is that true? No. Who was the idiot? I didn't know that I didn't know. And then I became a 20 something and I graduated from college and realized how brilliant my parents are. And now I have teenagers who think that I'm an idiot think that they know everything, God allows those things and so let I me mean, just just say, look, spiritual maturity isn't saying that you have arrived and you now know all that there is. spiritual maturity is recognizing I don't know, and that you can read the scriptures. Every single day for the rest of your life, and every single day, God will show you something new. It's not like you read Robinson Crusoe, and, and you know maybe the second or third time through Robinson Crusoe, you know the story. God's Word is not just a book. It is living and active, Scripture says, and will speak to you and speak to your mind every single day. For the next 300 million years, you can learn something new from God's Word, and we will. All right, next question. Oh, right, well, actually, let's look at this verse. This is, this is kind of a, a verse that kind of firms that up. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. Um, all right, true or false. The unwillingness to learn something new is a sin. I don't know. Yeah. Right. I I know for me, that that there are, there are there have been times in my life where like the amount of information that was in my head, actually made me a dangerous person, because I knew enough about something that I could be dangerous with it. Uh, you know, when it came to computers, uh, I, I learned how to open computers up and get in there and play with things and pull things out and plug things in. Um, can't do that anymore uh, because it's so much, it's not that drastically different, but I knew enough that I could get into a computer and cause a lot of damage. But I thought I knew all that there was to know. I thought that I was a pretty smart guy. And God God wants us to know that there are always things that we can be learning, always things that we can um, figure out and and you know, sometimes, here's, here's the scary thing. We say that we know all that there is to know, and our parents are idiots uh, as teenagers. But God looks at us, and we're his teenagers. And we think that we know all that there is, and so he'll allow difficult things to happen to us, those hard knock kind of things, to say, okay, you need to pay attention to this. All right, now here's our next question. True or False. Santa Claus is white. <laughs> there, stay with me. Stay with me. There is a sin that many Christians commit every day. It's called intellectual idolatry. And what that means is in our perceptions, like so to white kids, Santa is white. In our brain, Santa is a white guy. Um, but to African American kids, Santa is black. And to, um, I, I had a picture of, a, of an Asian Santa and, and, and all the different things. But here's the thing because we, in, in our frame of reference, we think that he is like us, right? And so, in the same way, we think that Jesus is white and i i i was trying to find pictures of jesus this is this is a pretty white jesus i know he's got brown hair and brown eyes um but it was even worse there's the i don't know if anybody remembers the jesus of nazareth film with the blue-eyed striking blue-eyed jesus um pretty confident jesus did not have blue eyes uh and was not white and so you know there's there's uh I remember the Jeffersons, where they were, you know, to them, Jesus was black. Uh, Asians. Uh, The Jim Caviezel, pretty good portrayal. Um, But here's the thing. Jesus wasn't white. He wasn't black either. He was Middle Eastern. Um, And so, but what will happen is we think, like we think because I'm white that Santa is white or that I'm black that Santa is black. But Jesus is not uh, reduced to our intellectual perception of who he is. What happens then is that we take God, capital G, and he, we make him God, lowercase g, we make him like us. And he is not. He is so far beyond us and our way of thinking about things. And, and so here's, here's the thing. For, for humans, we like to put things in nice Cognitive categories that we can wrap our hands around. Um, And so even more dangerously is we can get the idea that that what I like, Jesus likes. Or how I believe is how Jesus believes. Or if I believe that a certain thing is wrong, that I just will naturally kind of assume that Jesus would think that those things are wrong. And what we end up with is a God that doesn't exist except in your own mind. The God who conveniently fits within the confines of our mind will never fill your soul with wonder. If we can wrap our hands and and head around him, he's never going to blow you away. And God wants us to be blown away by him, by his creation, by his love, by his wonder, by his intellect. You know, we talked last week about loving God with all of our souls, right? And and it's through the soul that the God of wonder speaks to us. He speaks to us through the thunderstorm and through a baby's laughter and, and through all the things that he reveals himself to us. And there's a direct link between loving God with all your soul and loving God with all your mind. It's kind of like wonder and curiosity are, are cousins. The two of them are, are not mutually exclusive, because when the soul stops wondering, the mind stops learning, and vice versa. A lack of wonder breeds a lack of curiosity, and a lack of curiosity breeds a lack of wonder. The main point is this, though. When Jesus asks the question, what's the most important? What's the greatest commandment? The answer that he gave them had everything to do with loving. When a Christian stops wondering, when, a Christian, when we lose our, our curiosity, when, when we stop learning, that's when a Christian actually stops loving. That we can't wonder, we can't be in awe, we can't learn unless love is that, that central part of that. That's part of loving God. You know, the, the, there's a terrible, um, terrible statistic about wedding or marriages that split up and divorce after 20 years. Uh, I, I have a friend uh, who has been has been married to his wife for 19 years, and they're divorcing and, and splitting up. 19 years, 20 years. How is that possible? And and obviously I. We're not in those kinds of relationships, but I believe that, that marriages that split up after 20 years or, or maybe longer, I think part of the reason for that is they stopped learning about each other. They thought, you know what, we've been together for 20 years. What more is there to know? I, I, I know everything that there is to know. And then in that stopping of learning, stopping exploring, what is it that, that makes you tick they stop loving. The same thing is true with God. All right, next question. Use it or lose it. True. Give me some examples. Muscles. Right? So if you stop using a particular muscle, it begins to do what? Atrophy. Exactly. Knowledge of a language, right? If you stop using it, you lose it, right? Your faith—you don't use it, it will atrophy. Absolutely. Um, you know, in the physical world, if we don't use certain parts of our bodies, they will atrophy. Uh, your 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 muscle tissue, all of those things. I—it's been. I had a, a friend of mine who. He said, "Hey, look, I want to start working out. Would you be interested in coming and working out with me?" And so, in February, we started working out. And at first, it was painful, and and then it started to produce results, and and things were going great. And getting ready for this summer and all of our activities and the canoe trip. And my wife and I are doing these. You know, we did our, our big camping trips, and the boys, uh, Nathaniel and I, uh, we did a you know a huge uh, backpacking trip. And then all of those things were done, and my friend blew a hernia and had to have surgery, not, not working out. just he's, he's older than me and got a hernia, and that's kind of what happens. Uh, as you age, our bodies start to not work so great. And so he hasn't been able to uh, work out um, at all. And so it's one of those things of accountability. If I don't have my friend to go to the gym with me, it's so much easier to stay in bed, it's so much easier. And so now I'm starting to feel the effects of not going to the gym. Um, your brain, check this out. Uh, my dad said that language, that if you don't lose, if you don't use a language, you will, you will lose it. The, the part of your brain that plays the major role in language processing is called the left angular gyrus. You're welcome. The left angu- angular gyrus um, and for people who are bilingual, their left angular gyrus is actually bigger than, right? <laughs> May not be the whole part, but that one part, Eddie, bigger. Because as, when, when they use that part of their brain, bilingual people use that part of their brain more than, than only people who use one language. And so it is an absolute fact that if you fail to use your mind, it will atrophy And when your mind atrophies, your soul atrophies. So the the thing that that we want to encourage you this morning when we talk about loving God with all of your mind is never stop questioning. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to struggle with things. You know, when I was reading off that list of all those really, really smart guys at the beginning of the message, none of them, would be able to sit down and say that they agree about everything when it came to their faith. Some of them were considered deists. They believed in God, but they believed that God came and spoke the world and created it and set it off spinning and now kind of lives hands off. And then there were others in that list who believed that God is intricately involved in holding everything together. And there were guys that were devout Catholics who would look at Lutherans and uh, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal people, as as not going to heaven. But they all had a belief and a faith in in God. They they were always questioning the physical reality, questioning electromagnetism and and mathematics and and philosophy and all of those things. Here's Here's a pretty cool quote. Says the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existence. One cannot help but be in awe when he contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose. A holy curiosity. Anybody want to take a stab at who said that? Who who gets credit for that quote? Jewish. Um brilliant. And I love when, when someone someone said to him, you know, well, he's Albert Einstein, right? His response to that, you know, because like, we'll say things like, well, you know, it's not brain surgery. Or, oh, it's not, well, it's Albert Einstein. You know, he. his response to that was, I have no special gift. I am only passionately curious. God wants us to be passionately curious about his world, about his word, about Uh, relationships and interactions, there are all kinds of things that that God wants us to know. If we go back to the the Gospels and we look at the encounters that Jesus had with people, when you think about the reactions that people had towards him uh, and and Jesus responds, did Jesus just give them um, simple answers? Or did Jesus give them more questions? It would answer a question with a question a lot of the time. In Luke chapter 3, verse 5, this is what the, the culture of the, of the people were like uh, because they were, they were, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering. This is even just about John. Before Jesus was even coming onto the scene, they were wondering and waiting expectantly if John might be the Christ. My question to you this morning is, Are we expectant, are we wondering, are we curious about what God is doing in our lives? Are we we looking to God's word to fill us, to satisfy us, or do we just pick it up every once in a while just as a, you know, sometimes people will use the scripture like like a Christian horoscope, and they'll want to know what to do for their lives until they'll open up their Bible and they'll say, God, I need you to speak to me, and flip to a page and poke. And then whatever it is, they're like, oh, okay. I don't think that that's how God wants us to use his word. True or false, it's easier to come up with answers than it is to ask questions. Yeah. You know, there there are authors that are out there that have written books about, you know, Christian growth and Christian life and, and, and maturity. And the, the one thing that I love about uh, John and Stacy Eldridge, who have written uh, the book Epic and Wild at Heart and uh, a lot of the books that, that we really resonate with and enjoy, is that John doesn't give easy answers. He doesn't give you, here are the five steps, and if you will do these five steps, you will then achieve spiritual maturity and enlightenment. But he says, look, we've all got to figure out our our path. We've all got to find our way through our Christian walk. And, And he doesn't just spell it all out to say, if you'll do these four formula things, then you'll be a great husband or a great man or a great woman or a great wife or a great whatever. God is okay with us asking questions. You know, One of the things that it says on our website that at LifeQuest that, that we are about helping people explore their relationship with God where it's a safe place for them to ask hard questions, where it's okay to doubt. It's okay. There's a, a song that I, I love by the artist uh, Chris Rice, and he, he talks about this song. Uh, it's called Saving Up Questions for Heaven. And there are things that we've got questions about that we may not get the answer on this side. You know, and Chris talks about, you know, what happened, what's up with dinosaurs and and you know all the all the different kinds of things that we wonder what 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 is the reason for that? Why did this person get sick or why did that person get healed? Or why am I going through this difficult situation or why did my husband's job get Axed or 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 whatever the quest for the lost soul of Christianity is a quest driven by questions. Any question, every question, holy curiosity is not satisfied with easy answers that we're not looking for a cute tie it in a bow, oh look, that's it, oh. <sighs> But there are things that in, in our faith that we will wrestle with our entire lives. Let me encourage you to do something. Um, allow God to stretch your mind. And, and not just picking up a book that's uh, you know, I'm not saying go to Alpha and Omega. And, and just pick up a bunch of Christian books. Allow God to stretch your mind in areas that, that you love, that you're passionate about. For me, it's, it's science kind of stuff. And so I've just been allowing God to uh, stretch my brain um, by reading biographies of really smart people. Um, my, I, I just, earlier this year, I finished Nikola Tesla's um, biography. And, and my dad was like, why are you reading this book? I, I said, because I, I just, I'm fascinated with this. I've, I've got Albert Einstein's biography next, uh, that's next in the queue that I can't wait to read. Because um, I'm just, that kind of stuff just fascinates me. I don't know what fascinates you. I can't tell you what you need to read. But you need to read something. You need to let God stretch your brain. In addition to reading scripture, in addition to letting God's word into your mind and into your heart, what kinds of things kind of set your bells and whistles going? What, what is it? Is it music? Is it art? Is it, is it science? Is it language? What is it that, that fires off your brain? Because... You've you've got something new that you can learn every second of every hour of every day for the rest of your life. Love God with all of your mind. And you realize that um, if you were to simply take a book and put it on the back of the toilet, that you could read one book a month. Easy. 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 You know, I'm not trying to make it sound like you've got, uh, you know, you've got to go grab the Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, off the, I don't even do they even make that anymore. I, we're, I was at middle school orientation uh, this past week, and I was in the library, and I'm looking for the encyclopedias, and they're like not there. Um, and it was hysterical because, the, well, and I think there was a shelf, but there was like one shelf, and they were like dusty and in the corner, because everybody Google's everything. Um, and so the librarian isn't a librarian anymore. He's an information literacy technician. Um, and he actually, at, at Cosgrove, they actually have an old um, card catalog system. It's, often, it's empty. There's nothing in it. Because um, we don't use them anymore. It's all on the computer. Um, let, me, let me just challenge you to um, find something that, that flips your switch and, and just begin to, to learn something new this week. Um, if you were to take uh, a card with a piece of scripture on it and just take it with you wherever you go, stick it in your pocket, take it with you in the car, leave it with you, that you can learn uh, just with, with 20 minutes a day. Um, you have enough time that, that you could memorize the entire plan of salvation. You, if you gave 20 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. What what can you do to allow your mind to exercise and become curious again? Um, I'm the the guiltiest person of this in my house, probably in my family. I hope maybe probably in this church. Uh, I watch way too much TV. You know, and TV is one of those things where we shut our brains off. And I know I get, you know, we've been at work all day or we've been at school all day, and and we come home and we just want to unplug and unwind. But what I suggest is, uh, you know, as an experiment, maybe pick a day this week. Don't let the TV get turned on at all. I know, my kids... My son, who's probably not even listening because he's doing something on his iPod. (laughs) Taking notes furiously, I'm sure. Pastor Rob is so smart. My dad is amazing. (laughs) Hashtag smart dad. (laughs) Find, Find some time. To, and, and, and let me take you this, if you absolutely can't turn the TV off, like you absolutely, your brain explodes, at least watch like Nova or something where you'll <laughs> learn something, right? Discovery Channel, I, would, I used to be able to say History Channel, but now History Channel is full of all shows that I absolutely love. But you're not going to learn anything on the History Channel anymore if you're watching. Uh, well, they're not on the History Channel, they're on a they're, they're on different channel, but um like, we just watched a special on the, the secret of the Viking sword, right? You seen that episode? It's really cool. <laughs> Learned some cool stuff. And, and, and my son, Toby, my, my seven-year-old, everybody else in my family, they were like, blah, learning. I don't want to do this. And me and Toby, we sat and watched the secrets of the Viking sword. It was a cool show. Learned some good stuff. Learn to exercise your mind let's wrap up with this here's the thing, Dan talked about Adam and Eve this morning in the garden and how uh, we have this idea that if Adam and Eve hadn't eaten the fruit they would have been able to live in the garden of Eden in perfection and in paradise forever, right? wrong look at this Hold on, let me get my notes. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. It says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the, the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every other living creature that moves on the ground. This is Genesis one twenty-eight. before Genesis 3 before the fall, before they get kicked out of the garden. So it wasn't that they got kicked out of the garden because they ate the fruit. They got kicked out of the garden because God did not want them to be able to have access to the tree of life that they could then, now that they had the understanding of good and evil, that they would then be able to eat from the tree of life and live forever in that sin. So check this out. God's plan was not for them to lie around Eden sleeping in a hammock. I know that's a sad thing because I wish that I could sleep in a hammock every night. Um, God's first commission to mankind was to get out there and explore. They they could go in 24,759 miles in any direction and still not see the same landscape twice. His commission to them was to explore the world they had one ninety six million square miles of virgin territory to explore that he said, Look, I am giving you this world for you to enjoy, to, to understand, to, to uh, subdue, to, to be have dominion over. Think of the wonders. That Adam was able to discover before the fall that, that maybe we've lost. And think and, and then even that, even after the fall, even after we, we now live in a fallen world, the wonders that are still available for us to discover. And we showed the pictures last week of, of those amazing places on the earth that are incredible. God is awesome, and he is worthy to be worshipped, not just with our hearts, not just with our soul, but with our mind. That We don't have to check our brains at the door in order to call ourselves Christians. Here's, here's a pretty interesting thing. This is another one of your Trivial Pursuit cheat questions. Did you know that the largest telescope in the world it's, it's in uh, Mount Graham, the Mount Graham International Observatory. Um, it's hosted by the University of Arizona. Anybody know who owns it? The Vatican. That they are about learning. Um, I thought that was fascinating. Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived according to God He was a Renaissance man who lived 2,500 years before the Renaissance. And people from all over the world would come to Israel to hear him talk about everything. He understood botany. He understood uh, biology. He understood science. He understood all kinds of things. And kings and queens would send people, and they themselves would come to hear him speak. And here's the thing. In 1 Kings... um, 1 Kings chapter 4, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sands on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man and goes on to list a whole bunch of really smart guys that Solomon was smarter than. You know, here's the thing I wonder, did God just Clop information in Solomon's head? Or did God, you know, kind of like, did, did God give Solomon like a matrix experience where he plugged him into the universal database and just download information that made Solomon so smart? Or did God give Solomon a supernatural curiosity of the world around him and he just began to devour everything that there was to know about everything that there was to know? Solomon loved God with all of his mind. This morning, as, we've, as we continue in this series of, of trying to understand how can we be great at the great commandment, how can we love God with all of our heart, the things that we're passionate about, the things that break our hearts, that we can love God with all of our soul, that we can experience him as the God of wonder in his creation, just being amazed at who he is and loving him through wonder and then loving him with all of our mind that say that god give us minds that hunger for curiosity help us to learn help us to know you more not just not just for the sake of knowing things but so that as we know we can love him more you know if you if you know who god is you know his attributes you know what he's like, you know the different names for God, it opens up a whole new world of worship. Simply than just saying, like I said last week, about Jesus, I love you, Jesus, and you're awesome, Jesus, and thank you, Jesus. We can say, Jehovah Jireh, you are my provider. We can say, God, you are my healer. God, you are my banner. God, you are my, my safety. God, you are my deliverer when we understand all the different things and attributes of who God is, allow God to expand your mind. Because once he's stretched it out, it will never go back to the same shape. He wants to shape our minds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that you would please help us to be great at the great commandment. You would help us to love you with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds. And Lord, prepare us as we explore what does it mean next week to love you with all of our strength. How does that work? Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this week. You would draw us closer to you. Help us to have the, the discipline to turn the idiot box off and read. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you'd be with us this week. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Uh, This week, again, remember, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Uh, If you could help us by grabbing the things that are on your table and have someone take it back to the back table while we tear down and put everything back, that would be a huge help. And I hope you have a fantastic week. Blessings.